So I'll just get myself sorted here. What a what wonderful, wonderful worship. What wonderful time this morning just declaring wonderful truths. Um, my name's Goff, by the way, if you're new here and uh, one of the leaders here. It's my privilege to be preaching this morning. Uh, we're continuing in our series in 1 Thessalonians. And one of the things about uh, preaching a series through the Bible, going through it step by step, you get to preach on things you wouldn't choose to preach on. I'm going to speak about something this morning that affects every single one of you in this room. I'm going to speak about death and the future. And you might think that's a bit morbid. You might think, oh, God, give us something happy, please. But actually, to think about death, you know, it's, it's probably the most important subject I will ever get to speak on here. It's, it's not morbid or foolish. In fact, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he says this. To, uh, to say there's nothing... To, sorry, to, uh, sorry um, to, to my mind, there's nothing more fatuous about mankind than the statement that to think about death is morbid. The person who refuses to face facts is a fool. And of course, you know the saying, the only things in life that are certain are death and taxes. So I'm going to speak about this subject. I'm speaking two halves, two parts. I'm not going to be too long. We're going to worship in the middle. And I'm going to start off my first point. What happens to us when we die? And I'm going to read uh, from 1, chapter, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. So therefore, encourage one another with these words. Death and bereavement, it touches all of us. It, it stings. It hurts. And many of us here know that only too well. Yes, even for Christians, death stings. You're probably thinking of that passage that gets read at funerals, where, you know, oh, death, where is your sting? 
Let me just remind you what that passage really says. It's in 1 Corinthians 15, and it says this. In a moment, in the twinkling of of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, dead will be raised imperishable, will be changed, the perishable was put on imperishable and so on. And then it says, and then will come to pass the saying, written in Hebrews chapter 13 in the Old Testament, death is swallowed up in, in victory. O death, where is your sting? Until the final trumpet sounds, death will continue to sting. And many of us here know that only too well. Those of you don't know, we lost our daughter just two years ago. Died very suddenly. Many of you here have felt that sting, the sting of death. Paul's purpose in writing, we see in verse 13, brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. Okay? He's writing... He wants them to, he wants to encourage them, he wants to give them hope. He goes on to say this, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Okay, he's not saying so that you don't grieve, because we do grieve. What he's saying is, but I don't want you to grieve the same way as those who have no hope. Okay, we grieve, we do, we weep, don't we? Some of you here, I know many, many of you here, you, you, you've known the sting of death, it's come close to you. It's very appropriate that I'm doing this this weekend with what's been in the news this week, this week. The, 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 the awful killing, murder of a John Amos, Member of Parliament, death is in the news. So we, we grieved. Jesus wept at the grave of Lazarus. Even though he presumably knew that he was going to raise him a few moments later. So why did he grieve? Why did he do that? Why? It's the shortest verse in the Bible, isn't it? Jesus wept. Why did he weep if he knew he was going to raise his friend? I think he wept because he saw the sorrow that Mary and Martha were feeling and friends, he, he saw that. And I, I like to think as well that in that moment, Jesus saw all the misery and sadness and sorrow and tears that this horrible enemy death has brought to men and women all over the world all through, all through the days. I think, he was, I think he wept because he just saw all that misery. He saw, he saw your sadness and sorrow in that moment, and he wept. He wept. I'm glad he wept. I'm I'm glad Jesus wept. Because it tells me he knows how it feels to lose someone precious. But he says we're not to weep like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Now, that's the truth of it. If you're not a Christian today, the commonplace philosophy in the world would be that 
It's all just, it, the whole deal is just chance. Your life is just chance. This astonishing creation, oh goodness me, you could, it takes more faith to believe this is chance than to believe that there was design. But at the common philosophy of the day, the whole thing is chance. You are a random collection of molecules, and the moment your heart stops, finito. That is it, and your body will rot. Nothing more. That's the philosophy of the world, isn't it? It is. No wonder Paul says, I don't want you to, to mourn. I don't want you to grieve the way that others do in the world who have no hope. It, I can't imagine what it must be like. I cannot imagine what it must be like to lose a precious one having no hope beyond the grave. It, is, it must be absolutely awful. Those who have no hope. Let me just, I need to move on because my time is, is, is short. So what does happen to those who die? Because bereavement does raise, it raises very painful questions to, to those who've lost dear ones. What's happened to them? Where are they now? Will we see them again? Paul had evidently taught these people that the Lord Jesus was going to return. He was coming, he returned. He's coming back, coming back to take us all home. And so now they were confused. If Jesus is coming to take us home, what about those who die, have already died? What about them? Where are they? What's going on with, with them? And he uses this phrase, those who sleep. Verse 13, it shouldn't say sleep in death. The, the, the NIV have added that. It just says, what's happened to those who sleep? And that's a common phrase that's used in the New Testament for, for Christians who die. When the first Christian martyr, Stephen, when he died, it says he slept. So why, why does he do that? Do, do people, do Christians when they die just lose consciousness? Do they just go into a, a time of waiting? Is it, a, is it a sleep? We call it, it's called soul sleep. And some people uh, would, would, would take that view that when you die, you, it's soul sleep, waiting for the day that Jesus comes back. I don't believe that. I don't believe that your loved one and our loved one has gone into nothingness. I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. I don't believe that when I breathe my last that I go into nothingness waiting. Why? You may remember what Jesus said to the thief on the cross. Do you remember the one who put his trust in the Lord Jesus? What did he say? Today, you will be with me in paradise. That's what Jesus said, didn't he? Today, he didn't say, you're going to have a long sleep, you're going into nothingness, and then on the final day, you'll be raised. No, no. Today, you will be with me in paradise. And paradise is a, it's a Persian word, and it's a, which means a garden. And, it, and it's, it's picked up through the Old Testament. Isaiah uses it a lot uh, in, in, in the, don't, won't get technical, but the, the Greek Old Testament uses this same word, the garden of the Lord. The garden of the Lord. Thinking of Eden, of course. 
You'll be with me in paradise. Your loved one who loved the Lord Jesus <laughs> is in paradise in the presence of the Lord. And I believe the reason that the New Testament writers use this word sleep, they're just trying to make the point, death is not what it used to be if you are a Christian. It is not. So we're not going to use the word death. We're going to use the word sleep because it is very, very different. By the way, I apologise if what I'm saying is, 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 is painful for you. Believe me, it is for me too. Paul in 2 Corinthians says this saying in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, we are always confident, says Paul, as long as we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. But we live by faith and not by sight. And we're confident, I say, and would, be prefer, would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So there he's making this point. We're either at home in the body, away from the Lord, or we're away from the body and at home with the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Home, a place where you belong, a place where you are loved and accepted, a place that is just, it's just it's safe and beautiful to be. Home, in the presence of the Lord. Do you know, I, I, I just, I feel this morning... As I, she, there's the difference. If, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your saviour, you don't have to worry about the future. You don't have to worry. You see, you might, be, you might think, I can put this, dis this discussion off for many years. No, you can't. You have no idea when you will breathe your last. If you have given your life to Jesus, he's a wonderful saviour. He's the saviour of the world. He's, he is. He came that you and I might have life and have it in all its fullness, eternal life. And I want to say to you this morning, have you given your life to Jesus? Have you understood that he is your saviour? Have you, have you seen that he, he, he went to the cross for you? He took on himself all your sin, all your failings, all the muck and the grot of your life. He took on himself so that on that great day, you can come home, at home with the Lord. You don't have to worry anymore. <laughs> And for those of you who've lost loved ones, they're at home with the Lord. They are. Not drifting around in the ether somewhere. Not in a black nothingness waiting right now. They are in the presence of the Lord Jesus. Band, would you come up? They're in the presence of the Lord Jesus, enjoying him. And if you have given your life to Jesus, if you have understood he's your saviour, you need not fear the future. He stands before you this morning. He's here. He stands before you. He stands before you. And he says, 
I'm the light of the world. I've come to give you life. And if you will receive him, you know that you'll be going home. I've got to read a tiny bit from Lord of the Rings. Not many people describe this whole deal of death very well. Some of you will recognise this. The real hero, of course, in Lord of the Rings is Sam. We all know that, don't we? When Sam awoke, he found he was lying on some soft bed. Over him, gently swayed, wide beechen boughs. And through their young leaves, sunlit glimmered green and gold. Bless me, he mused. How long have I been asleep? What a dream I've had. Full memory flooded back and Sam cried aloud, It wasn't a dream then, where are we? And a voice spoke softly behind him. In the land of Ithilien and in the keeping of the king. And he awaits you. That's the beauty of knowing Jesus. When you breathe your life as a follower of Jesus, the king awaits you. Do you know him? Do you? We're going to sing a song now. And maybe you've been away from the Lord and you've been playing fast and loose. This is too serious a subject to play fast and loose with the Lord. It's your life. We're going to sing a song now. It's a very old song. Most of the ones I recommend are. And we're going to sing this song. I want it to be a prayer. And you can, you can make a choice. By the way, my second part is not as long as my first part. You can make this a prayer. And it's a very simple song. As the deer pants for the water, my soul longs for you, Lord Jesus. And I want you, as we sing this song, I beg of you, if you've never accepted Jesus as your saviour, while we're singing this song, all you have to do, Jesus, I want you in my life. If you've been playing fast and loose, all you've got to do this morning, Jesus, here I am. I'm here for you. Let's stand together. Tom, would you lead us? Beautiful song. Just thank you, Tom. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after thee. You alone are my heart's desire and I long to worship Thee. You alone are my strength, my shield.
Musicians are just while the musicians are playing this through. I, I just want to invite the Holy Spirit to come and and, and and move among us. Marcus was speaking about moments of warfare and battle and so on earlier on. I, there's something here this morning, and you're, there's battle. There's, there's battles going on. You're, you're feeling the, the the battle, and I. I want to invite you now, if, if, if you're feeling a battle and if you, you just need, you need the Lord Jesus this morning, in whatever way you need him, I, I invite you just to lift your hand and we're going to just pray the Holy Spirit come wonderfully among us this morning as we sing this again. Raise your hand, you need the Lord in some way, there's something going on in your life, it's a right battle and there's fear around and come Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, you're the king. Lord Jesus, you're the risen one. You're the conquering one. You're the victorious one. And Lord, in these challenging days, Lord, we know, we know, we know the challenge. I pray, come Holy Spirit right now, touching many people here right now. Come Holy Spirit, bringing healing and help and hope in the name of Jesus and joy where there's been sadness help where there's helplessness come Holy Spirit upon us this morning in the name of Jesus you alone ready here we go you alone are my strength my shield in our lives Lord we do we, we, we don't want to play games we don't want to fall around this is life and death and we we, we, we want you to be number one would you be our heart's desire Lord our, our heart's passion oh Jesus Lord we love you we worship you our saviour please continue to do beautiful things here this morning I pray in Jesus name do please be seated. I'm just going to be brief with my second point. So that what happens to people when, when we die in the presence of Jesus, in the presence of Jesus, no fear, beautiful. What happens to those who are still alive? What happens? What's the future? What is our future here? Well, it seems these Christians, they'd heard that Jesus would return this spectacular day of the Lord, uh, that he would be coming um, verse 15, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive and are left until the coming of the Lord, that word, the coming of the Lord, that word in the Greek is parousia. You may have heard that word, the parousia, the appearing. The, it's, it's, it's a word that speaks of a, a military or, or a person of great importance coming, the, the appearing of, 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 of the Lord. And... Uh, 
let me say, what is that going to be like? I want to tell you, Jesus is going to have his day. These are dark days that we're living in. You don't need me to tell you that. They're dark days. And we see death, murder, horror around us. But Jesus is going to have his day. And listen, it's, some, some of you may have heard reports about Jesus coming, that it's going to be a secret thing. I want to tell you there's nothing secret about the coming of the Lord Jesus. It's, it will be a very awesome, spectacular day. Let's read through verse 16. Well, first 15 first. According to the Lord, we tell you, those who are still alive and are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. So what about those who've already died? They're not going to get left out. Oh, no, 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 no. They're not going to get left out. They're not waiting in the ground. They're in the presence of the Lord. But they will be given their new bodies, ready for the new heaven and the new earth. That's what it's saying here. So, um, for the Lord himself will come down with, with a loud command. That sounds pretty noisy to me. A loud command. The voice of the archangel. The trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will raise for, rise first. I don't quite understand this because he's just said, Jesus will come with the, those who have died in Christ. Your loved ones and mine. He'll come with them and then they'll be raised first but they're with him already. I think it's the, they're getting their new bodies. They're just, <laughs> we'll talk about new bodies maybe in a moment if I get time. But, but do you get, I hope you're still with me. I don't, the, big gaps in my understanding, but the day of the Lord, Jesus, when he comes, it's going to be loud and he'll be with all of those who, who, who all the, 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 those who've gone before and are, are enjoying his presence now. And it will be loud. There's going to be a loud command. It's God perhaps summonsing the dead to arise. There'll be the voice of the archangel. There'll be the trumpet call of God. It will be a cosmic day. God is going to have his day. He is going to have his day. And it will be a cosmic day. Jesus said in Matthew 24, um, which I might better get there very, very quickly. Matthew 24, he spoke about this, the last day. Why didn't I put a bookmark in there? Okay, nearly there. He says, the, the sun will be darkened, the stars will fall from the sky, heavenly bodies be shaken, then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and all the people on the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four corners of the earth. He will have his day. He will have his day. He will. The day of the Lord. It's called throughout the Bible. He will have his day. And it, it will be a cosmic day. It will be an awesome day. God stepping in. Some of you heard about the rapture and you've got ideas that it's a secret disappearing and no, 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 no. It says here, then you will be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord, verse 17. It's, this, it's a grand final day when Jesus comes. It is spectacular. Every eye will see him. You might say, well, how does that work? The, the, how does it work? How can, how can people see him in England and Australia? G.K. Beale says this, the old world reality will be ripped away. Dimension of the new reality will appear along with Christ's presence. 
Now, not many writers can explain this very well, but I've got one more. C.S. Lewis does this quite well. I'm coming into land now, believe me. I'm coming into land. It's... I just... I, this is so important. We're seeing so much evil around us this week. Before that, other horrors. Sarah Everard. It's so much evil. God will have his day. He will. It's it's called the day of the Lord in the Bible. It's also called judgment day. He will right wrongs and bring all to account. Who dares stand at his coming? Those who've been forgiven and made new by their saviour Jesus. What might it look like, the final day? Well, you know, the last battle, the Chronicles of Narnia, they're not just children's stories, you know that, don't you? Okay. Aslan went to the door, big closed door, and they followed him. He raised his head and roared, now it is time. Then louder, time. And then so loud it could have shaken the stars, Time and the door flew open. They all stood beside Aslan on his right side and looked back through the open doorway on the earth. Out on the earth all was blackness. They heard a strange, deadly, sorry, they, they heard the sound of a horn, high and terrible, and immediately the sky became full of shooting stars. Everyone, everyone, everyone shooting stars are a fine thing, but to see these dozens, scores, hundreds, it was like silver rain. And with a thrill and wonder, they realized what was happening. The spreading darkness was not a cloud at all. It was simply emptiness. The stars were falling. Aslan had called them home. The moon came up quite in the wrong place. Sun began shooting out flames, lumps of fire dropping out of it. Then Aslan said, now make an end. Peter, said Aslan, shut the door. Then it finishes. It's also different, said Lucy. Things in Narnia had a beginning and an end, but it was only a shadow, a copy of the real Narnia, which has always been here and always will be here. And then someone else says this, and I love this. I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I've been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. And the reason why we love the old Narnia, Earth, is that it sometimes looked a little like this. Come up further, further on, further in. He will have his day, one day. The skies will be filled with the glory of the coming of Jesus. And when you understand that, and when you understand that it, 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 it's not something in, in distant future or irrelevant to your it, this affects your life very much. When you understand that Jesus is coming in great glory. It changes the way you live. Band is still there? Good. We're going to sing a song now. And it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful song. In fact, I'm going to change the order around. Can we please do what is our hope in life and death? Folks, 
Lord, I pray through my stumbling words this morning, you would speak clearly into our hearts and lives. Lord, in these turbulent days in which we lived, when the, the prevailing current of the culture around us would take us into such a dark place, I pray that you, by your Spirit, would come this morning and take us into a very bright and glorious place. Lord Jesus, we're living for you. We're living for you. And I pray this morning, please, by your Spirit, would you do a work of grace in us that changes the way that we live our lives for your glory. Let's sing this wonderful song. Let's stand together and sing.